Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 50 of Unblocking Crypto. We have Hal Davis joining us again. It's been a little while, Hal. Great to see you again. Yeah, good to be back. The last week or so has been some interesting things happening in the crypto space. So I figured we'd just take a few minutes and chat about it. And I'm sure everybody's going to be more excited to have another perspective other than me just spouting out what I think for the next uh, five or ten minutes. So I think maybe the first thing to start about start with is the latest news surrounding FTX. And it's really not truly FTX, but the the guys that started Three Arrows Capital, which is pretty much the reason that we had a huge collapse in the crypto market earlier in 2022, are now trying to raise some money with some of the founders of CoinFlex, which is a crypto exchange. And they are asking for $25 million. They want to start what they're calling GTX. And it is specifically the next letter after F and FTX, with their goal being to go after all of the claims of all of these exchanges that have gone under. So FTX being one of those, Voyager, Celsius, and a handful of others with their view thinking that the entire market available to go after there is about a $20 billion market. And it has to do with something where you would bring your claim into GTX and in return, they would give you USDG, which seems to be kind of a a new token that I guess they're creating that would be somehow tied to the US dollar. So kind of interesting to hear that while the three years capital guys aren't really talking to anybody about their collapse of their fund, now they're trying to start another program in crypto. Yeah, this seems like a terrible idea. I, uh, I, I was talking to some guys here locally about what is it that makes people get into crypto, leverage up, take a bunch of risk, do all these things and then everything crashes, right? Like three euros capital and like the Luna collapse was the thing that crushed the, or the, I guess it was the catalyst that started the decline of crypto, you know, in this, in the, in the end of the bull run, right? Like that, that last run up hit like $60,000 for, for Bitcoin. Then China had their mining ban and, the price seemed to react and go down and then it started to recover and go back up into the 60s and then the luna ust three arrows capital just initial collapse and then ftx stepped in and loaned a lot of the people that got tied up into that they loaned them money to keep them afloat but really it was just propagating the ftx ponzi that fell apart like months later and then took the Bitcoin price and crypto, you know, market cap as a whole way down. It's funny because it's the exact same guys, like the same names. Normally, it's like a year later, some different guys that kind of come in and and come up with these ideas and talk people into loaning them money and and then create these uh, these schemes. But this is, I don't know enough about this, but they're talking about you're basically trading a claim for a token. And then what? They're, they're going to go after bankrupt companies to get a, a partial payment on these claims. And they're going to be way after the uh, the creditors 
you know, uh, that, that loan money to get the, these exchanges and companies off the ground. I'm sure they'll get some, some money and I'm sure they'll happen. It, the good news is money's a little tougher to get right now. So like a hundred million dollars 18 months ago is easier to get than $25 million right now. So that might help slow this thing down, but this is a bad, this is just a bad idea. It's just, it's not going to work. Well, it's to me, it's if, who are they going after to get money? Anybody that had money invested with them previously probably lost their shorts when three years capital went under. So why all of a sudden you turn around and say, oh yeah, well, yeah, I know you went completely bankrupt, but let's try it again. I, I think you can, you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. You, you tanked in a, in a monster bull market when everybody was making money, you screwed up bad enough to, to blow up. So now that we're in a bear market with, you know, recessionary winds and global macro problems. Now you're going to be successful on, on this. Like, yeah, this is just, this is a bad idea. Like, good luck. I think this is why bear markets are actually sometimes better because like you can get away with super bad ideas when every two weeks, the price of Bitcoin and other cryptos are just shooting up. Anybody can trade and make money in that and anybody can, can do it. But when when there's a bear market and you go bitcoin went what two months in like between 16 and eighteen thousand dollars like that's not exciting it's not easy to make money it's not easy to talk about number go up and leverage and all that especially because at a third of the price as compared to what it was at all-time high so it's a little tougher to, it's a little tougher to make money and you got the, the bad ideas don't make money anymore hopefully this doesn't get off the ground yeah it's, it's one of those things i think the companies that are successful in bear markets are the ones you want to be invested in in the, in the bull markets. If you're right. not successful, the bear markets will definitely destroy you if if you don't have a good business plan. And that, that kind of brings up a good point is we're starting to see some things turn around and we've seen some very positive Bitcoin indicators with Bitcoin just jumping up over the 200 day moving average by a lot, which is the first time it's happened in, in over a year, I think at this point. So, I think we're starting or hoping that this there is a turnaround coming now and maybe we've seen the bottom. That's not financial advice and it still could go down, but it, it has been quite some time since Bitcoin has actually shown any sort of strength in, in quite a while. You yeah, excited about yeah. that? I am, man. It was good to see uh, it kind of break out of that high teens number and, and break that 20 barrier. Anytime it breaks those decades, I feel like it gets noticed. Uh, either up or down. So getting back into the 20s, I think, is is a good sign. So one of the indicators, Willy Woo has a cumulative value days destroyed metric that is basically the sum of the coin days destroyed times a price. So if somebody holds a Bitcoin for 100 days and sells it for, for 10,000, then you know that, that's basically a, a million as the numerator, you divide that by the number of days times fixed number of 6 million and that you plot that over time, you can get an idea of when old coins get sold for higher values and you wipe out all those days that were held, it gives you this baseline and Bitcoin's price has bounced off of it like over and over again in in bull markets. I mean, in, in bear markets. And so it basically just kissed off of it in November at like 15.8 and then just you know this whole 15 to eighteen thousand dollar run has really just been barely barely above that what would be a bottom indicator 
that doesn't prove anything. Bitcoin, you know, we're still, we're, Bitcoin's still looking at kind of its first look at a quantitative tightening environment. So, you know, it's a little tougher to get money. And when it's tougher to get money, less people put it into Bitcoin. But, um, you know, there's a real chance that, you know, we're, we're going to be looking just, again, it kind of holds steady, maybe improve a little bit. And then, of course, bad news can happen at any time. And Bitcoin seems to be kind of take the lead on good and bad news. So if something goes bad globally, Bitcoin takes the hit and then other assets, you know, declined after that. So it's, it's just part of the volatility, part of the being a, a sub $1 trillion asset class, you know, compared to gold at 10 to 12 trillion and, and stock market in, you know, the thirties, you know, just, it takes longer for those guys to move. You know me, I'm, I think Bitcoin's going up. I just don't know when it's going up or how high it's going to go up. I felt like we were in discount land in the in the teens. It's good to see it back in the twenties. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's starting to show strength. I mean, anything can still happen. I think a bigger indicator is probably getting up above the two hundred week moving average, which is sitting, I think, around twenty five k right now. So we still have a little ways to go before we hit that. My guess is everybody wants to see it come back down to the two hundred day moving average and bounce back off of that. So that being said, I think there's some open gaps in some of the futures down around 10K and usually those get closed. So they don't really have to. So there's a chance it could wick all the way down there at some point, I guess, if it does, wow. Um, But there's also some open gaps around like 60K or something like that too. So there's still some potential for it to go much higher and hopefully never come back to the 10K realm ever again. Yeah, I did see a little bit of it all, maybe what was driving some of this. The inflation numbers finally did start coming back down. I think in December, they were 7.1% and now they're 6.5% in January. Maybe we're going to start to see the Fed uh, start to pivot at some point in 2023, fingers crossed. And Yeah, I think, um, so funny thing about CPI, they're going to change the equation that they use to calculate it starting next month. So instead of looking back, the previous two years, they only look back the previous one year. So that will make CPI go down some as doesn't include the big jump from 20 to 21. So that, so CPI should come down. I think the pivot will be from going to, from increasing the Fed funds rate to just keeping it steady until the, until it, it draws that CPI down. I don't think you're going to see like a Volcker type move where it's just jacking up the rates way above inflation in order to stamp it down. I think that they'll, they're the part of the soft landing is they're not going to smash it to 8% when CPI is at 6.5. And in order to smother the inflation, I think there's, I think it's going to be more gradual. So that's, I think that's what they're going to try to do. I don't think they actually control it as much as they think they do. That's kind of my thoughts on on that. But once it once once the Fed funds rate goes goes flat, you know, probably five percent, maybe maybe a little bit more than that. I think it'll just give a little bit more confidence to everybody with money that they will know what to expect. Because right now, I mean, a year ago, fifteen months ago, they said they weren't going to raise interest rates. Eleven months ago, they started raising interest rates. So like if they actually stop raising interest rates, I think that people will start to start to come come out of that cash that, that they have on the sidelines and 
I continue to think that if I have cash on the sidelines, even if I pulled it out of boring asset classes, equities and bonds and things like that, if I'm looking at what to what to buy, I don't know that I'm going to put zero percent into Bitcoin. If if I was at zero percent um previously, I think there's there's reason for optimism for Bitcoin receiving some funds coming in once uh, once things become a little more certain. Yeah, I, I was looking a little bit at some of the on-chain metrics too, and if you look at the jump from Bitcoin at 17k to to 21k, a lot of that was actually being driven by um, a whale on Binance that was buying a ton of Bitcoin using BUSD, the Binance stablecoin. And we've been I've been talking a little bit in the past few months about we're starting to see stablecoins being redeployed into the market. Uh, mm-hmm. We're we're seeing more and more. Of, of the risk piece coming back where people think that we're getting close to a bottom. So it's exciting to see that's happening. It, it looked like not really many other exchanges were buying Bitcoin up until it hit about 19 and a half K. And then you saw a few other ones jump in, but that was all using uh, Tether and, and USD. So it wasn't BUSD. So exciting to see that some of the whales are also in believers that were were somewhere near the bottom. I think there were quite a few shorts that were filled too on the people that were uh, betting against Bitcoin. So I'm, I'm sure things will change in the near future, but at least it is still looking very positive from a big picture on where things are going with Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I've read a little bit about that. Like some, uh, some short, maybe like a hundred million dollars worth of shorts were liquidated in that quick run, quick jump up. And somebody made like a fifty million dollar Bitcoin purchase during that to. To, to help that that little rally so stuff like that's good news curious to see kind of if it can build back i mean we had prior to being in those high teens for for a couple of months you know we hung out in this this low twenty thousand dollar range for quite a while like late summer through december i mean that's kind of where it was before it hit that little last drop uh in november into the teens so there's there's a bit of a floor built there so that that's something if you're just looking at looking at charts right but mm. i don't think the charts help the macro stuff like i think that <laughs> i think it's i think they're cute but when you know if there's world war three the charts aren't going to help you yeah so some other interesting good news i know you're talking about macro and uh, larry fink who's the ceo of blackrock which is probably one of the largest asset managers out there he has been mentioning that he sees the future as everything being tokenized and i I think that's really exciting news for crypto in general you could argue maybe that's ethereum focused more than some of the other things although i still think cardano could have a play in there too but that's exciting to see that when you see somebody that has an insane amount of money view this tokenization of everything then that's got to be helpful for crypto in the long term too yeah, I, I I came across somebody that was a pretty smart guy, and he's just totally against crypto, Bitcoin, everything. I'm like, at some point, I mean, I guess if I'm right, eventually, at some point, he's going to have to convince himself he's wrong. And I think that's kind of the case for some of these high-level hedge fund guys and you know financial institution guys, where it's like they got to, con- well, they either need to retire or they need to convince themselves that they're wrong. Probably retirement's easier than than kind of telling yourself, all right, uh, now that I've actually done the research, 
you know, there's there's value here. Like I listened to Jamie Dimon talk today on CNBC, and he's kind of going back to it's a pet rock, it's junk, it's a Ponzi for even for Bitcoin, not just crypto. And you know, talking about how blockchain is the value, and he can they can transfer U.S. dollars, uh, you know, with J.P. Morgan, and they use blockchain to do that, and it's a it's a ledger, and that's valuable, and da, da, da. and he's closer than he was three years ago. But it seemed like in that bull run, he was he was kind of turning and being a little more pro Bitcoin, and then and now that I guess we're in a bear, he's just going to drop back to being. A guy that just is is kind of anti Bitcoin, but pro blockchain. So I guess if I guess if you're a fiat guy and you run J P Morgan, you like the blockchain technology because it's immutable Excel database type stuff. He's not going to convince himself he's wrong. Like even if Bitcoin's price goes up again, I think he's just going to be uh, if if enough of his investors and enough of his clients are pro Bitcoin, m- maybe he he comes off it a little bit, but if he hasn't done the research by now to understand Bitcoin, I don't think he's going to do it. Well, to me, it's one of those that's pay attention to why he's saying this. And if you look at the Federal Reserve and Chase being one of the main banks that makes up the Federal Reserve, if this starts to take away from the power that Chase has to almost create money out of thin air or determine whether that's going to happen, then that's one thing. And what's crazy is Chase has been buying Bitcoin or and really more so Ethereum. I mean, I think that the big story around Ethereum is they're worried now that they're going to proof of stake that some of the big banks are coming in and trying to acquire it so they can somewhat control it moving forward. And it's not really decentralized like I think everybody was hoping it would be. So yeah, that's, that's the problem with proof of stake, right? If you if the rich get richer in a proof of stake environment, if you if you can if you're if you have so much money on the sidelines in fiat that you can buy a seat at the table in ethereum now you have a seat at the table and you do that enough you you know if blackrock does it and jp morgan does it and a couple other big banks do it then guess what if they just get paid in ethereum and their their voting rights grow so i'm a well-known proof of work proponent so that's why that well, makes sense so some other positive news too that we're starting to see texas a&m just mentioned that they are going to start a uh, Bitcoin course teaching their students. So it's exciting to see that college kids are going to start learning about Bitcoin because and you could argue that a lot of the millennials in that age are probably more so aware of it than than others. But it is one of those things that once you start teaching the world about it, it's it's going to be hard to turn it off at that point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this goes into the whole thing of like as people retire and younger people take over these CEO positions, the younger people have done the research on on Bitcoin and crypto and this the same way with inheritances, you know, as older people don't have the time or inclination to do the research and understand it, but their money is going to go to people that do, you know, over the course of time, things become pro Bitcoin. So yeah, teaching in colleges. You can see what uh, teaching things in colleges does to the the world when those people come out of college. So might as well teach them Bitcoin and actually give them something valuable. Yeah, very true. Um, and then I'll, I'll say positive news, although it's uh, kind of a iffy type positive things. Argo has announced that they were worried about going bankrupt, but they were somewhat saved by 
Galaxy Digital, which is uh, Mike Novogratz and his company. So Mike Novogratz gave them $100 million, which I think is broken out to where 65 million of it is Dig Galaxy Digital buying the Argo uh, Bitcoin mining facility. And then the other 35 million is kind of a loan to kind of keep things going. So it's interesting that even during a bear market, we're still seeing a lot of investment and justification from some large companies to stay engaged in Bitcoin and, and crypto in general. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in addition to that, the, the piece of news that I've got is the Department of Justice was gonna, had a press conference yesterday and they were like my Twitter feed had like all this stuff like, hey, there's a big there's a big uh, press conference coming. And so I'm like, all right, it happened to be right at noon. And I was it was like the most boring bland. It was it, it, it was talking about crypto crackdown regulation, all these things. But they they basically just shut down an exchange and arrested the guy who was running it. And I think five others. It was called Bits Lotto, which I've never heard of. They were a, a P2P, a peer to peer exchange, and they didn't have know your customer information. And so they kind of became a go to source for nefarious use because people could get in and out without um, without giving up their identity. So I feel like most crypto people would be like, cool, fine. I mean, I, and if you're big into like Monero and privacy stuff and and uh, you're like heavy on the uh, libertarian side where it's like the government shouldn't have anything to do with anything. If you see the way this thing's going with crypto and Bitcoin, you're going to need the on and off ramps of know your customer. You're just not going to be able to transact in the United States without it. And, and as exchanges and things grow and become public, th there's no way they can do it. Uh, it didn't seem like that big of a deal unless you're this uh, anti know your customer uh, anti-money laundering uh, libertarian type, which I don't think I am because I don't I don't think Bitcoin goes very far very fast if if you don't play ball with government, you know uh, that's that's the one entity that I think can kind of shut you down so or or slow your your growth and adoption. Most people I talk to that are like ah Bitcoin the government's not going to allow allow a, a, a private money um, you know they're going to protect the U.S. dollar. So I think that from an adoption standpoint, I think that scares people away. So if they're playing ball and things are moving along, I think that I think that'll help accelerate things. Well, it's interesting. I think India has been pretty vocal about that, where the finance chair over there has been very worrisome about crypto replacing up to 20 percent of their transactions across India. And he's like the ramifications of that will be drastic for the federal reserve being able to control money in, in india right so and maybe i am libertarian so it's one of those things where i don't know if that's such a bad thing because <laughs> right now every federal government out there has been running a deficit and i'm not a huge fan of uh, the mmt kind of uh, concept but where their goal is just keep printing money and debt is a good thing and i don't always agree with that but it's weird that they get to live by different rules than we do. Yep. No, I don't totally disagree. I think that there just needs to be a period of time where people get comfortable with Bitcoin and crypto in parallel with existing currencies. So I think that the Bitcoin becomes this asset that people hold because it appreciates and it's a part of their portfolio. And then enough people have it and enough people want it 
that they're willing to trade goods and services for it. And then it kind of starts sliding into that more like a medium of exchange. But I don't think you jump straight into competing with the dollar on a transaction standpoint. Like 20% of Indian transactions seems like a lot. I haven't seen like what some of those African countries are doing. They were doing quite a bit, but India, India is a big deal. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't aware of that. So uh, if they're, if they're already there and India loves gold, they're like generational wealth is passed down a lot of times through like solid, like actual physical solid gold and jewelry. I'd be curious. I, I need to do some research on what India is doing. If they're sly, if they're understanding the value of Bitcoin, I mean, if you like gold, you can get to Bitcoin pretty easily if you're good at computers. Indians like gold and are good at computers to, to paint with a broad brush. So that that could be a pretty good fit. Well, to me, it's uh, when governments start using their currency as a weapon and a way to penalize you if you do something wrong, and that's one of the reasons why Bitcoin and crypto have have probably grown so quickly. Oh yeah, well. If the U.S. government can penalize Russia uh, for holding U.S. dollars, I feel like they could penalize you and me pretty easy. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Well, this is probably one of the first weeks that I don't really have a lot of NFT news lately because I've been trying to keep the NFT space alive because I still think that has a <laughs> lot of legs left to grow. And I know you probably haven't paid any attention to the NFTs that you own. Nope. Uh, but this has been great. It's been good to catch up with you again and looking forward to chatting again uh, next week. and. Hopefully we'll have some more interesting ideas. Maybe we talk a little bit about what 2023 could bring in crypto, because I think that is something that is overdue on my end and I need somebody to hold my feet to the fire on that. Yeah, yeah it'll still be January next week. So that, that works. Cool. Well, how great catching up with you and we'll talk next week. All right. Thanks a lot, Jay. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group on Blocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.